so many people it affects in general. You hear, I didn't know what blood cancer was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could have cancer in your blood until I was diagnosed with it. But when you start talking to people, oh, leukemia is a form of blood cancer. Oh, my uncle, my aunt, my, you know, everyone unfortunately has some connection to it. Alrighty, the LLS is back in the building. Kristen Zimmerman. Jillian Joseph. Right now, we're going to talk about pancakes really quick. Yeah, stacks <laughs> on stacks. There we go. So what's coming up? So we have National Pancake Day is tomorrow, February 27th, at participating IHOP stores in and around the Maryland area. We have about 28 stores participating. It's from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. They are offering free short stacks of pancakes to all customers all day. And we were hoping for customers to donate to the Leukemia Lymphoma. Society. I went last weekend or the weekend mm-hmm. before you guys had a test run. Saw the Barkers out there, best people in the world. Are there going to be volunteers at every IHOP? Yes. So there will be volunteers throughout the day at all IHOP stores walking around with donation boxes. And in fact, with donation levels, you can kind of get kickbacks from IHOP. So if you give the standard five, it's enough. I slid a 20, which means I have like free pancakes for days at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> for a 10, you get something like 5% off. There are all different levels of coupons and everything. And another fun thing for people who go to IHOP, if you look on your check right above the tip line, there is a line to donate to you guys. That's right. And that's always there, it seems to be. So this has been a 12-week campaign. So Mm. it's been there since December 4th. We do several different campaigns with them throughout the year. So quick pancake-related question. What's your favorite? I'm I'm a Cinestack guy Mm. for life. Where Mm -hmm. do you guys go down on pancakes? Always chocolate chip. Chocolate chip, just classic. Yeah. Absolutely. I saw that they have like birthday funfetti pancakes now, mm. though. They're really getting crazy with the flavors. That sounds good, but I'm kind of plain Jane normal Ooh, standard. So, so the, the standard short stack will be making <laughs> yeah. you yeah. perfectly happy. Yeah. Awesome. Which IHOPs are participating in particular? How far can someone go from Frederick? Out in Frederick, we have the one on Buckystown, Osprey Way. There is a location out on Garland Grow in Hagerstown. There's a location in Grantsville, pretty far out western Maryland. And then there's also some not too far away, Mount Airy and Westminster. And they're actually phenomenal stores in this area. We always have a kind of healthy competition with some of the D.C. area stores, the Eastern PA stores, Virginia, New Jersey, and Frederick, Mount Airy, Westminster. They're top. The people out here are the most generous. Absolutely. So they give D.C. a run for their money. It's incredible. And those are our highest grossing stores. And we'll have them staffed all day with volunteers and LLS staff. you got to meet people who have been with the LLS. That's right. All the families, all the teams, all the volunteers you meet, you're going to hear some amazing stories. You're going to meet some incredible people and you also get some pancakes out of it yeah. too. There's about 12 LLS staff members that will be around the different stores. I know Jillian's actually going to be out in this area for a big part of the day. A lot of our teams are uh, helping with volunteering too. So you get to hear their stories. They all have a very personal connection to the mission. So it's nice to have everybody out. You have one of those stories. I do have a very personal connection. I was diagnosed with Burkitt's lymphoma, which is a form of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. In 2003, when I was 16, it was just after my 16th birthday. I was treated at Sinai Hospital in Baltimore County. Our mission is to cure all blood cancers. And non-Hodgkin's, especially the type that I had, is a very fast growing aggressive cancer, so it required aggressive chemo. I have been in remission now for about nine years, Mm. and the particular regimen that was used to treat lymphoma had been discovered in 1997, so only six years before my diagnosis. Prior to that, Burkitt's lymphoma survival rates were very, very low. And that's the kind of incredible advancements that you're seeing across the board here with LLS-funded research. So I will say the chemotherapy and radiation, it's all poison. It's something that we've been using 
to treat cancer for like 60, 70 years. And LLS is now trying to fund new advancements, other therapies that aren't poisonous, that won't have these long-term side effects. In the past year, we have at least helped with between 15 and 18 new therapies get approved by the FDA because my personal therapy was not FDA approved, which meant it was not covered by insurance. It was considered an experimental treatment and my parents had to pay out of pocket for everything. Our hope is that getting these therapies approved by the FDA will put more money in our patients' pockets and the therapies are no longer poisonous. They have come up with immunotherapies, CAR T-cell therapies. They use your own stem cells and your own DNA to cure the cancer instead of pumping you full of poison, essentially, to kill all of the cells. The research is being done at Hopkins, University of Maryland. There are about 28 research centers throughout the country, but two of them are in the state of Maryland. And we're very proud, and we're very proud that that's where our money's going. And I think a lot of the money you guys raise ends up staying in Maryland, right? That's right. right. We paid for $706,404.34 of financial support for about 550 patients in Maryland. Financial support includes co-pays, travel assistance. We have lots of student and patient programs. It's incredible, and it's staying here, and I'm kind of living proof that it's helping Marylanders. And that's good that you guys cover transportation as well. That's I think that's a bit of the cost that not a lot of people think. You don't think about the cost of gas back and forth if they're an outpatient. Parking at the hospital. If you live in the city, even just a bus, payment for a bus to get to and from where you need to go. Tolls, absolutely. And there are a lot more robust programs now than there were back when I was diagnosed in 2003. They've really fleshed out these programs, which is incredible. But it would be devastating to me because I wasn't pediatrics to see I had a 10-year-old roommate. She had a bone disorder. She was from New Jersey, and Sinai was the best place to, to treat this particular bone disorder. Her parents couldn't always stay with her. They couldn't always afford a hotel. They couldn't always afford to come visit her all the time. It's things like that that you don't think about as an inpatient, but if you're an, even an outpatient and going in once a week to copay every single time just to get some life-saving treatment. Being treated at Sinai Hospital in Baltimore. So I'm coming from Howard County. That's where I grew up. Being in the waiting room with some of the inner city patients, it's devastating. You're wondering how they're affording the treatment and everything like that. So the fact that we have these programs now is incredible. Actually, in Western Maryland this past year, just in copay assistance alone, this is like Garrett County, Washington County, Frederick County. We reimbursed over $160,000 worth of copays for patients. In the last fiscal year, there were 18 approved FDA drugs. And that's huge. On average, there's usually four or five a year. So the fact that there were 18 just in this past year, 15 of which LLS played a role in is just, it's significant. Definitely a lot of advancements coming. We have volunteers and survivors and patient access employees and staff that will literally go to state legislature. They'll go to DC Mm -hmm. to advocate to push these through. There's sometimes pushback because it's more profitable for drug companies for people to keep paying for these drugs. We recently learned that oral chemo, because I didn't have oral chemo, I just had intravenous chemo, is more expensive than intravenous chemo for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And one of our volunteers, a survivor, Miss Dottie, went to the Maryland State Legislature and helped them write the oral parity bill, which essentially made it equal to intravenous chemo. Now it's less expensive, it's more affordable. I think some people don't actually know what chemotherapy is like. They hear the term chemo, I think a lot of people probably assume, I knew before my grandfather had, I always thought chemotherapy is they were shooting a laser at you. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually like yeah. fluids. It's and fluids. Exactly. They're chemicals. They're chemicals that are being pumped into your body. I had a port in my chest because I needed to get it constantly. There are some people that are outpatients that'll maybe come in once a week, once a month for treatment. So they'll just be hooked up with an IV and it's chemicals that basically kill and poison all the bad 
blood, fast-growing cells in your body. And in most cases, the fast-growing cells are the cancer. So Mm -hmm. it gets them. Some people don't respond well to chemo, which is another interesting area of research that is being looked into at Hopkins and the University of Maryland. And that's why these immunotherapies, these gene therapies, these CAR T-cell therapies, stem cells are being so effective. But you're absolutely right. It's chemicals. It's liquid. And they make you sick, make your hair fall out, and aren't always effective. So that's why we're trying to fund other treatments. With children and children's cancer, since they're aging and they're changing a lot, does that make it more difficult to target childhood cancer then? I wouldn't say it necessarily makes it more difficult to target. They have more side effects and long-term side effects. You're essentially stunting kind of growth for a lot of children who have to go through these therapies when they're younger. Leukemia is, I believe, the number one cause of cancer in patients under 14 or something like that. So it is unfortunately very common. And that's why they're having to look for alternative ways to treat this because it can stunt brain mm-hmm. growth. You'll know good cognitive effects later. Even though I was 16, I was still in pediatrics. Yeah. I still have to go in for an echocardiogram. I have to go in for bone density tests all the time because technically I wasn't fully finished developing at the age of 16. They have to keep an eye on those sort of things. But leukemia is, the advancements that have been made are incredible. incredible. Though, where the kind of needle has advanced, especially with childhood cancers, it honestly used to be a death sentence. And LLS has made some incredible advancements. And now I think almost 80 or 90 percent of diagnoses are now treatable in some way for children. For adults, it's a little different. Mm -hmm. But we're working on that. Wanted to just loop back to something we talked about last time, the difference of blood cancer, the idea that the pain is not centralized. Mm -hmm. What are some of the symptoms just for people who may have not heard our previous interview? You don't really even know you have it until they've tested for it. So, you know, because you can't catch it, it's not tested for at your annual physical. With lymphoma, they could be literal tumors that grow in your lymphatic system. With leukemia, you may just be feeling off. Maybe you notice that you're bruising more easily, you're more fatigued, but these are all symptoms that can be symptoms of a lot of things too, which is also why they're more difficult to diagnose and catch in early stages. So it's just so important that they continue to do research and we fund it. At the Baltimore walk, I bumped into your dad. He said you played lacrosse. Were you just... I would love to say that I played lacrosse. It was field hockey. It field was hockey. close enough. Oh. It was close enough. Your, you know, your memory is, is impressive, very impressive. I actually had a tumor that was growing in my stomach. It was growing Oof. in my abdomen. I lost 11 pounds in a week. Just going to the bathroom constantly. I'd recently been out of the country. They thought maybe some kind of oh. food poisoning or you contracted something overseas. But I could have been on one of those medical mystery shows because it took them three months to figure out what was going on with me. I was dehydrated all the time. And the tumor in the abdomen isn't necessarily that's very common with lymphoma. They're usually more in your lymphs in your neck or in underarms. But your lymphatic system is everywhere. So I just was having excruciating, excruciating stomach pain and was not able to at that time, I was in the best shape playing field hockey. I was not recovering from injuries. I was not able to keep up with the rest of the team, and it was very frustrating. I thought that, you know, I'd had mono at some point, if it's related. As soon as they gave me an MRI, they saw the tumor in my stomach and rushed me in for emergency surgery, so... So you work at LLS now. Yes. Like, how early did you make that decision? When did you know that you wanted to make this your life's work, so to speak, right now? I honestly, and I'm going to tie this into light the night, since it all comes full circle. I had first heard about LLS in high school because my field hockey team, they contacted the coach, and the coach called me in my hospital room, and she said, we feel really helpless. 
we feel like we can't do anything from out here. And the girls did some research and found out about something called a light the night walk. And at that time, there was several walks throughout the state, including one in Howard County. So they'd found out about this light the night walk. And she said they wanted to walk in honor of you, not knowing that I probably couldn't walk with them that fall because I was still receiving treatment. Found out that it was an annual event happening in the fall. It was a walk that there were some kind of votives or luminaries involved at the time. <laughs> it was very different. It was very different back then. The walk has definitely evolved, and Kristen can definitely tell you about that, but that's when I first heard about it, and I wasn't able to go that fall, but the following fall, I walked with my team, and, you know, they raised, asking all friends and family for change, spare change, this, that, and the other, they ranged like $350, and that was incredible for mm. me. That meant so much, and going to the walk itself, you get, as a survivor, you kind of stand out because you wear a shirt that says you're a survivor and you're just approached and embraced by everyone of all different ages and given hugs and it's warm and fuzzy and just a lot of fun and really like kind of a block party event. And that's when I first found out about it. So I volunteered on and off with LLS probably starting since high school. I did run for Man and Woman of the Year, which is a separate campaign in 2014 in D.C. And shortly after that, I was sucked in again. I've only actually been working for LLS for the past year now. Oh, really? I've only been on the payroll for a year. Exactly. Coming on at the right time because for people that have kind of had an eye on Light the Night. It's mm-hmm. changing this year. You guys are at two events this year, right? We are Baltimore and Frederick, and our walk in Frederick is on Friday, October 26th at 6.30 p.m. And we moved our walk last year to the Frederick Keys, which seemed to be really great. We had a lot of great feedback about it, so we're going to be back at the Keys again. They're welcoming us back. May have a little bit of an adjustment with the route, just kind of making sure it's good for everybody or as many people as possible. And the walk itself, it's not strenuous. It's not a race or a mm-hmm. relay or, or anything like that. It's a kind of a celebration. We do have children. We have survivors, all age ranges walking. It's usually about a mile and a half or so, but it all culminates with the program and in kind of a block party and definitely fireworks. Definitely fireworks. Yeah, there were fireworks. The the fireworks <laughs> were great last year. I can say the walk. Yeah, the route we had last year because Frederick is a weird, it seems to have hills just like every every time you <laughs> yeah. turn, you're like, oh wait, where did that There's hill come one. from? <laughs> it's a nice steady course and it goes through downtown. There were a few people that may have had a little bit of trouble with some of the hills. Yeah. There are a thousand doorsteps that you can sit down right. on and catch your breath with yeah. in downtown Frederick. I saw a couple of people do that. Yeah. And if people haven't seen it, or maybe they, they saw it and didn't know what was going on, you guys walk by. The lights of the light of the night were lanterns. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that I think always, once you know what the lanterns mean, I right. can't imagine a single person ever looking away from yeah. light the night. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So we have survivors carry the white lanterns. Yellow are people carrying in remembrance of somebody. And red is your community and your support. So everybody walking to support the mission and what we're doing. We start off about 15 minutes before we start our walk. We start with a ceremony with a circle of survivors. So we introduce the white lantern holders and we ask them all to walk to the center. We have a big beam of light that we shoot up like the Batman (laughs) beam. And everybody raises, all the survivors raise their lanterns around the beam which is it's just very emotional and pretty awesome and then we introduce of course the yellow and the red and then once all three have been introduced we ask everybody to join and raise their lanterns with the survivors and then we begin our walk right after that it's like a breathtaking sight when you get to see how many people care and support yeah the ratio is the thing that you'd want Mm -hmm. and the event itself is really last year last the frederick one was awesome it's like really good family friendly stuff you guys have like an entire kids zone yes there's a a variety of food we want to mention ihop i didn't know they had a mascot until like the night (laughs) chip chip Chip. yeah the living chocolate chip pancake who knew (laughs) 
Yes, ship came to our walk. IHOP definitely has been a national supporter of Late the Night for years now. So they definitely come and provide some hot chocolate too. It's in the fall, so it's usually a little on the chillier side. Yeah. So it's great. <laughs> we also have the Remembrance Pavilion. That's right. That's I don't want to forget that. That's if you if you're there, there is this. It'll look like a yellow dome. Yes. You have to go inside. Yes, that's pretty incredible. It is our Remembrance Pavilion that we that people can go in and write notes on. Our logo is a blood drop for LLS. So they can come in. We have blood drop cards. They can write messages and tack them onto the wall of the pavilion. They can post pictures and just messages to loved ones that they have lost. And it's pretty incredible. We have somber music just kind of mellow, like playing in the background and candles, battery operated candles <laughs> lit. But it is pretty incredible to see the people that do go in there and just the emotions. So last year was my first year at the walk. So it mm. was really incredible to see all of these unique things that we do at the walk. It was all brand new last year, too. Oh, so it cool. was really awesome to just see it all come together. It was great. And I think that's another thing to stress for Pancake Day, which is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You should meet the families. You should meet yes. the teams. Meeting the Novak family last mm -hmm. year. Meeting Carter, who... He was just two yep. and went into remission in time for his second birthday. He was yeah. the coolest little kid I've yeah. ever met in my life. He's amazing. He's a pretty cool kid, <laughs> for sure. And for me, a big part of this is also being able to put faces mm -hmm. and stories. And the fact that it's like we can say that we're fighting blood cancer, we're doing all mm -hmm. these kind of things. Here's an opportunity at the walks mm -hmm. and also at Pancake, Pancake Day, Day. Mm -hmm. to meet people who've gone through it. And I yeah. think that's a very important thing to do. That's right. Absolutely. It kind of puts it all in a perspective of why we're here doing what we're doing. You know, a little shout out to Carter's grandma. She will be volunteering tomorrow too. Yes. So Meet it, Carter's yeah, grandma. They're fantastic. Definitely go out and hear her story because yeah. she definitely tells a great story about Carter. So many people it affects in general too. You don't realize mm -hmm. you hear, I didn't know what blood cancer was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you could have cancer in your blood until I was diagnosed with it. But when you start talking to people, oh, leukemia is a form of blood cancer. Oh, my uncle, my aunt, my, you know, everyone unfortunately has some some kind of connection to it. The biggest friends and family light the night walk teams, including Barkers for Blood Cancer, they are very, very, very mission connected and very driven. Mm -hmm. And and they're a part of the huge growth in Frederick. Like the Frederick friends and family teams grow drastically every year, more than any other chapter, chapter probably about 12% year over year, almost every single year. So that is awesome. We've been very excited yeah. to get to meet all these families. The past Frederick year. is mind blowingly giving. Yes. Oh We're still within a week of our St. Jude Radiothon, mm -hmm. and Incredible. I know that people are just going to flood out yes. and help this as well. Absolutely. It's really exciting. And I'd also like to give a Kevin, the, the hero of the Baltimore oh, Walk. Yeah. I want to give him – blew my mind. Yeah. Right? Like, He's that's, pretty amazing. His story almost sounds written. He's from Brazil. Just parents came to the country to get mm -hmm. him treatment, and just how he, how driven and devoted he was. Those are the kind of things yeah. you, you meet amazing people at yeah, these events. Absolutely. And he's still so connected in our chapter right now. He's running for student of the year. There we go. So he's doing a great job, and you know we're very appreciative of everything he does for us. And unfortunately, in, in Kevin's case, which is so often the case, um, Kevin relapsed. So he, he not recently. I'm oh, okay. sorry. Oof. I know. Oh. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I should say he's okay. He's been in remission for quite some time now. But he was initially diagnosed as a three-year-old and relapsed when he was eight years old. Yes. Um, so they thought he was in the clear and starting to go back to, you know, whatever normal life is again for a child. But unfortunately, there's a very, very high statistic in the number of people that relapse mm -hmm. within a few years of diagnosis or initially going into remission. You'd have to be constantly 
constantly vigilant. You have to, and again, these not everyone responds to chemo, so that's why we're doing what we do, mm-hmm. so that kids like Kevin get healthy and then they stay healthy. And he's yeah. 17 now and doing very yeah. well. Another thing, too, is just financially, if you think about it, if you go into remission, you're paying off that first round. Yep. You yeah. think that you're back on solid ground. Mm-hmm. It comes back, mm-hmm. and then that could just be... Devastating. Devastating. So having the support. Actually, practical question. Can't believe I haven't asked this about it. How do people reach out to LLS for help? Our chapter is May number 443-471-1600. And we can warm connect people to our information resource center, which is staffed by master level oncology professionals. So if you just give our chapter a call, we can connect everybody to the most appropriate person for them. The information resource center is a huge resource that's nationwide. I think the phones are open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Every day. Every day. But the website, I mean, www.lls.org slash Maryland. So for our chapter, we'll give you all the information on the local events and how you can donate or how you can donate your time because volunteers are the reason that Pancake Day is happening tomorrow. We can't do what we do without our volunteers. There's an incredible group of people that help us every day. I got to do my my traditional closing question every time I interview people. So we'll do this one at a time. Uh What has you excited? What are you looking forward to? Pancakes. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) I, like Jillian, have been here for about a year now as well. And every day I'm excited about every single thing that we're doing, you know, from free pancakes tomorrow and 18 new FDA approved drugs in the past fiscal year and just seeing everything that's on the horizon. I'm really excited to continue to see Frederick grow for our walk. Last year was a pretty amazing event and I'm excited to see that get even bigger and better, not just Frederick too, but Baltimore as well and continue to do what we do every single day. So what has you excited? The spreading of awareness, if that makes sense. The free pancakes are amazing. And <laughs> the fact that we have so many wonderful volunteers and staff members that will be in, as Kristen mentioned, 28 IHOPs in the region, just telling people who we are, what we do. Because again, breast cancer is a little bit more straightforward, maybe prostate cancer, ovarian cancer, but what is a blood cancer and how many people are affected by it? And how can you people help people living in the state of Maryland? They'll be able to find out all that information while eating free pancakes tomorrow. (laughs) It's a win-win. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited to see how we do and, and to see if we can smash our goal because mm-hmm. I think last year we raised $610,000 wow. national throughout the region. Sorry, okay. That, that includes, <laughs> that includes <laughs> D.C., yeah. Virginia, parts of New Jersey and Eastern PA and Delaware. But so 650000 is our goal this year. In Maryland alone, our chapter, we raised $95,000 mm. on National Pancake Day last Fantastic. year. Fantastic. Which is nuts. So we're, we're aiming for one hundred and fifteen dollars mm-hmm. this well, year. There we go. Let's all get some pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. IHOP's right. always open. <laughs> well, between 7 and 7. So if you spread them out well enough, yeah. you can hit it three times. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously. That's right. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thanks for having us, Thank Patrick. You, Pat.